what are the major duties of a minister as per the law? We will look at this and you will discover that it is relevant to what the scripture says about shepherding God's people. Number one, a minister has a duty of care, skill, and diligence to the church because the church are your members. Duty of care, skill, and diligence. Number two, ministers have a fiduciary duty to the church. That is, you are put in a position of trust by your members. Breaking of such trust is breaking fiduciary duty. I will together now. Number three, ministers must have must not have conflict of interest. And that can be applicable in two dimensions. Either you have a divided interest in your church, which conflict with your role. And the other time we were speaking about ministers leaving their church and traveling for a long time before coming back. That is a conflict of interest. Because God's interest is that you remain with the sheep, feed the flock. At the same time, if you are a minister and you are appointed by an ecclesiastical church, and um, you decide to break away, you cannot start a church within that region. That will be conflicting your interests. Yes. Now, I broke down all these rules into more specific. These duties, all these three duties, also include your duty to conduct and coordinate all your services in your churches. Anything that goes on under your roof must be by your approval. Sometimes ministers will just allow meetings to happen in their, meet, in their church without really knowing what, what the meeting is about or what they are intending and what they are doing. You must approve, check any meeting that will be held by any group you know, in the church or even if your building is such that people come from outside to use your building. The reason is because in law, if somebody gets hurt, if somebody gets any injury, you will be the responsible person in law. So if you don't know what is going on and people come in and do revealing and they break their heads, you will pay for it in law. You will not be able to say that, but I wasn't the one who did the program. You are the, the responsible man. 
duty to oversee every program and activities. So the first one is duty to coordinate. The second is duty to oversee, which means that anything that happens under your roof, you must have an appointment, an appointed person who will be there to see to it that what they are doing is in compliance with all your regulations. Now, duty to manage, oversee, and manage your church office staff. You must make sure that your church office staff, even when you appoint administrators who help you in interviewing staff, you must be in the interview, you must be the final person who approves who to be employed. So that because they are going to be working with you, and you must also make sure that the contract of employment, you understand it. That is whoever you have appointed, if it's a lawyer, if it's a member of your church who are in such position, they must explain to you every line of the contract so that you understand what the contract is saying because the person who will be working in your office, will be, you will be responsible for that person and he will report to you. Now, the next one now is going more closer to the church number four. You have a duty to oversee your offering, collection, counting, and banking. You must not just leave, they collect your offering, they go count it, they bank it, and you don't know what's going on. You must appoint people you trust who will always report to you regularly. When in our own church, we have camera where they count money. It's not by faith. Is by sight. <laughs> I will get it now. You cannot trust people and negate or neglect the right thing to do. If I come on in that place, camera is watching me. If you come on in there, camera is watching you. It is required by the law and by the laws of God. From counting, one person must not be the one counting on entering. There was a three people to count one money. One is counting. One person is observing them. The second one will verify that the counting is correct. In your book counted by Alfred, verified by uh, Dr. Lockhart and then um, you know, coordinated by you put your name. So that three people see. One person is watching not counting. And two, one will count, one will verify. Then they will bank it together and seal it up. And you must make sure that your money is kept in a good safe because of the devourer. Or else money can be stolen after it's been counted by any thief or anybody. Someone can break in and take the money and run away. Number five, you have a duty to be judicious in the management and spending of church money. No money should be spent in your church without your approval. Make sure for every expenditure, you have a requisition form, which will require that the media section want to buy these items, approved by the head of the media, who knows the technical, and you must countersign it that, yes, we can buy because we have money, so that people will not incur debts on the church, when the church does not have money to pay. Or spend the church money into things that are wasteful and are not priority for the timing. It was a judicious in the management and spending of the church fund. 
with us we have what we call financial regulation it's a big bundle that details how our money should be counted compliance with uh, you know financial principles and laws so that you are protected when it comes to counting money banking money and those who are involved in it number six you have a duty to ensure that all money spent are accounted uh, and accounts comply with the requirement of financial regulation now you know when people when you make a requisition when people make requisition that is a form where they will say that we want to buy xyz items uh, our department is choir and the head of choir you know approve it and they bring it to you and you will look through the details of what they want to buy and then you will approve it now when that items or those items are procured and you pay a check on the invoice of that check you will write paid on the date and check number and account from where that invoice was paid and then you take your requisition form attach it to that invoice and then you keep it if you don't do that you are not obeying jesus christ what will happen to you is that you will you will not be able to account for the finance of your organization and before god you are the one responsible do we get it now and you are the one who really need money maybe when you want to buy a building now you cannot account for it jesus says if a man wants to build a tower he sits down and counts the cost now, number seven, you have duty to ensure that all invoices attached with the appropriate uh, requisition form, which I've just said. Number eight, you have the responsibility to hold a meeting regularly in our own place. is once in a month with all your leadership so that they will report to you what they have done this month and you can now energize them and, you know, instruct them for next month. In discussing with them, you will find some need that will face them next month where they will need help from. And you will have made provision for those needs in such meetings. Such meetings are always very good to be held in the last week of the month or the first week of the new month. Preferably last week of the month because when the new month they can now implement things. That is where you can tell your leaders your your you know unhappiness for any you know omission for any misconduct for you know any laxity and um, you know and appraise those who are doing fine and well and you know appreciate and stuff like that why you appreciate areas that they are doing fine you will now tell them that in this area this is my expectation this is my expectation this is my expectation your inability to let your leadership know what you expect of them will cause confusion and chaos in your church because you will expect that they know but in the fact they were waiting for you to tell them jesus always told his disciples he doesn't expect them to know if they know god will have made them your own pastor when god makes you their pastor now all of them look up to you to tell them what you know that god is telling you that they should do and that we should tell them 
is what they do. You cannot be grudging with your leadership and fighting and quarreling and dissatisfied. At the end of the day, these are the people you rely upon to make your work good. Your work will spoil. And you are going to have the blame because if these people cannot produce, they are frustrated. You will be having grudges and stuff. Prayers will not be answered. What is happening? The church is going down the drain. Your organization can be no stronger than your leadership team that support it. So it is pertinent and important that it be a constant interaction with your leadership. And it can't be all rebuke. It must be edifying and build, building them up, telling them their strengths and challenging them in any area that we can. Amen. And you know, in this matter, I told you when you hold meeting with them, they report to you. You appreciate them, thank them. And that's what Doc is saying. So that they know that they have done something good anyway. But then, and they appreciate it. Anyway, you tell them that, but we can improve in this. If you do this and this and this, we can improve in that. If you do this, this and this and this. Okay, now for next one, you implement, you implement, you implement, you implement. Your leadership thing should be friends. And not people who are terrified by you. <laughs> we get it now. So if they make a mistake, they will be confident to come and tell you that we blew it up. Because they know you are, going to, you are not going to scream at them and punch them. So, <laughs> hold your meeting once in a month. Number nine, you have a duty of, to care for the spiritual, mental, and social well-being of your members through various programs that you do. Your programs you do in your must give must gear towards spiritual building of mental development and social well-being. So it affects the spirits of a man, the soul of a man, and the body. Marriages must be considered. Children must be considered. Young children. You must have a program for them. There's a program we call Catch Them Young. All right? And you must do that. It encourages those children. You know, and I think this also... You know, you must work together with your wife because women have, the way God created their brain is different from men. You know, they will look at every integrity detail and stuff and they will flag it and stuff like that. And they can come in with improvisation of, to make good cosmetic and stuff like that. Why you are spiritual, 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 and you recognize the fact that for spiritual to work, somebody has to be on ground. And so... You must create atmosphere for children to be excited to know the Lord and also to develop skill. In Christ's faith tabernacle, what mommy did was that she gathered a group of children and called them um, jewels in the crown. And when the boys saw it, the boys of their age, two, six to nine or so, said they want to be called something. And they told, she told them that you boys, you are always disobedient. To, be, to come to this group, you must obey your parents at home. We must not have report from you that you are misbehaving, and told the girls, if your parents report you to me, you'll be in trouble. So, and girls who are not uh, very good because of that, mm, they, they were, became very good. And because really what happened was that she set up Joannas, who are full of graduates only, young ladies. And the younger ones said they want to be Joanna. And mommy said, you must be a graduate. So she now, they now said, but let us also form our own small group. He gave them the group. He said, you must be studious at home. You must be obedient. No report from the school about you. And those students, their behavior changed instantly. 
Same thing with the boys. Then she now st- uh, uh, said that, look, she wants to t- teach them music. Now they are teaching those children music, recorder, from recorder, they are doing saxophone, trumpet, trombone. Why? Because we have been abused by musicians. So we decided to produce our own musicians. These ones cannot move on. They will remain with you. So you must create programs that will help, that will communicate to the children, to the youth, to the adults, to the old people, to the widows, to the orphans. All these things, you must remember them in your teachings and seminars and conventions. I can tell you the things God told me to do which has helped me. The Lord Jesus told me that I should do three major programs every year. One is Jesus Seminar, where we just look the whole of that week. We teach about Jesus only every year. We do that twice in a year, Easter time and Christmas time. So we look at pre-existing Christ to the Christ manifest, the death and resurrection and the coming again of the Lord. So that in a year, if you belong to my church, you must have heard very well about Jesus and everything about him. Then Holy Ghost Convention, where we look at the Holy Spirit only for the whole week. People get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We teach about the gift of the Spirit. They pray for it, fast for it, and they get it. And the third one is the marriage seminar, where we look at how do you look for a future partner, what is courtship, what is marriage, and all the crises that happen in marriage, we deal with it. And these three addresses spirit, soul, and body. Then we have business seminar, we have medical seminar, where the medical doctors in the church will come and tell people about things like high blood pressure, diabetes, basic stuff, you know, erectile problem for men. When you reach this age, you might suffer from it. Don't worry. This is what you can do. This is what causes it. Uh, issue of women, fibroid and all stuff like that. This is the remedy. These are the things available to you. Then we have the law department coming together to teach about fundamental human rights. If a police stops you on the way, this is how you deal with the police. If they say this, this is what you say. I will get the Crown Prosecution Service to be involved. They have come to us several times with our lawyers just to tell people no, you know. And we have various training in law about mortgages, about insurances, about, you know, health insurance. Um, if you are doing business, um, about uh, your key man insurance, everything that can help your church. What does this do for us? It mitigates the spending of our members. So that once they have knowledge in some things and they put some things in place, they will not suffer financial loss. Let me give you an example. In our church, we have people who the wife just died suddenly. Husband just died suddenly. Not old. They were mortgaged. They have been taught you must have life insurance. When one dies, the, mortgage came, the insurance came and paid off all the mortgages. Not only that, you must also have you know, um, critical illness insurance. When they critically fall sick, insurance pays them more than 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. Now, when they pay a member of a church 300,000, he will pay tight. The church has helped him to know that you should put this in place, and he has put it in place. Those people pay off their mortgages, and which means financially they are well off, though they suffer loss. But they are well off financially. Whereas, if they didn't have that, sometimes the church have to take care of their finance. 
Of course, are, you can't leave your loved ones to be suffering. But if, if insurance is in place, they have been paid lump sum, the family can still live, the woman can still have enough money to help the children. All those things is necessary for a church and for a minister to do. But before we go, I will give you some few information about that, hopefully. But you remember, I've told you anything we can't cover here. In our next PVM, we will cover them to details. So, a minister must, be, must know that you will set up various programs to help the spiritual development, mental development, and well-being of your church members. Number 10, you have a duty to fill the ministerial report from well. That's quite serious. If you have branches, that applies to you. Your branch pastors on a monthly basis must fill a ministerial report form that we send to you, which will show you how many women attended each meeting, how many men attended each meeting, how many children attended each meeting, how much offering, how much tithe, how much other money they have, building fund and all stuff like that. What is the total expenditure of that parish in a month and what is the total income of that parish in a month? And this will be sent to your base. And they will send you this and also put in there the information of their balance in their accounts. Now, if you start branches, if you don't have this, you will soon lose constructive control of operations and Satan can set in to pollute the mind of some who have been faithful. There must be control in budgeting. So, that is in place. We will make this available to all of you. Then, number 11, you have the duty to comply with the legal requirements of the nation where your church is situated. For those of you in England, when people give offering in England and tithe and building fund or any gift, the government of this country require that you keep the uh, envelopes of their offering for six years because those who are taxpayers, you need to feel it that you're a taxpayer and when you put that together at the end of the year, send it to the government, the government will give you 28% of the total. So if your church earns 100,000 from taxpayers, government will give you 28,000 pounds. 28,000 pounds is money. If you earn a million, they will give you 280,000 pounds. 280,000 pounds is real bucks. If you earn 2 million, they will give you 0.5 million pounds. That is real money. If you come away with 0.5 million, you can do many things in many areas you want to do. Let me say this to you. This thing I've taught you, I'm teaching you, the things I've done from the beginning. This is one of the reasons why when we buy a property, it's not a big deal. The money we spend to our overflow, maybe a parish is going to buy a property, we are giving that parish money. It's not the offering of my members. It is the money I recover from government. I will give out to other parishes to buy them building to you know, help them. But you see, those envelopes must be kept for six years. Really, I keep my own for ten years. Because if anything happens, they want to investigate you. They say that we disagree with what you have been giving us. So just say, okay, those are the envelopes. So you account them. But if you are a minister of the gospel in England and you are not doing that, you are robbing yourself, you are robbing God. Because for the church to increase your salary, the church must be liquid. If the church is not liquid enough, then you, are, you have no right to salary. Because contract of ministers is that your salary is paid 
after all bees are paid. Are we together now? So, to comply with the law is a very good thing. Beginning from that area to the law of insurances that you need to have in place. You know, you have a, a good number of insurances. The main, part, the main pioneer needs to have a key man insurance. Because if I die now, CFT will be paid $10 million minimum because I die. <laughs> it doesn't mean they have to kill me to get money. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. So if I die now, they are not going to be crying that, hey, how do we have money? My dad will produce money. Hallelujah. <laughs> Same thing I've done for my family, which is different from church. If, I'm, if I have a sickness that I cannot preach anymore, all the mortgages of my church will be paid off because I have the critical illness as a key man insurance. As far as the bank is concerned, the bank will not lend your church what you do not worth. The church is not an entity. Okay? So the man who is the key man there is what is relevant to the bank. And the bank will give money according to the key man, so they will protect the key man, so that if the key man is decapitated or incapacitated, the insurance will pay for what the key man will have produced, because your your being alive is what brings the money. All these things, every pastor must know it. And all even in the U.S. even in the U.S.A. the the same is so when the uh, church get any type of major loan or money from the banks, the pastor must sign off on it as well. They will ask you to put your signature on that loan. You know, in London, a child went to one of the churches, uh, one of the members, and the child went to, you know, he picked up um, uh, this disinfectant or so and drank it. And the father of that child sued the church and he went away with two million or one million. But if the church wasn't insured, it would bankrupt the church. Alright? That is liability insurance. Liability insurance. As we are here, all these equipment that they brought from my church, if anything happened to them, I would get brand new. So yeah. they, even have, they even require where if we counsel someone, if we counsel someone and they come for us for counseling on any matter. And that counsel that we gave them affect their life in a negative way. They can turn around and sue the church. But in our insurance, we have coverage for someone sue us for counseling wrong. <laughs> no, no, seriously, you, you got to have it. Or like what uh, Apostle said, it can bankrupt a church if you're not covered in these areas. So you have to really be of course, discern for in what you're saying to people because you can get sued if they <laughs> decide they didn't like your counsel. <laughs> yes, you must do this. Your liability insurance should cover all that. I think our liability insurance is more than $100 million. Uh, you need in, in England, apart from liability insurance, you can do also lawsuit insurance for any lawsuit at all. 
But you know, for the counseling, which is quite correct, you need to know that, you know, in law, if you are not a certificated licensed minister, you must not counsel people because you'll be legal. You are uncertificated to counsel. Okay? Ordination doesn't give you such rights, but licensing will give you such rights. But either you have the right to counsel or not, it's always good for you to write uh, an undertaking for the form that people come to you. Instead of using the word counsel, use advice. That's the way out in law. If you give an advice, okay, you will not be bound in law. But if you give a counsel, then you'll be bound. Because counsel is from your professional point of view. But advice is your sincere opinion, section 6, I I think. (laughs) You know, covers that. A human rights act. Right to your free opinion and stuff like that. So you must make sure that you are very... Get your 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 uh, insurance because, of course, if you say you advise them, your sincere opinion, it can be arguable in law courts that the advice is a professional advice because it has professional connotation, and using the words that you have said and these terminologies are professional. So how would you divide your advice from a real counsel? We come from professional language. Your lawyer has to eat and um, defend you. So, but if you have paid insurance for lawsuit, your insurance will pay for it. The same thing with um, um, employers and employees in this country. If you employ people, they are no more spiritual, they are legal. It comes under the law. Last year, we brought in um, uh, this company to come and talk with you in last year's seminar, Jordan. And we are part of them. If you subscribe to them, when you begin to employ people, they will write you employment letter. If somebody is to be fired, they will write you the query. They will write you the fire. If they fire the person, what they write you, you just put your, your, your logo on it. They are the one who writes everything. They are the one who will form the contract. They are the one who will do all the laws and stuff. If that person sue, they are the one who will go to the tribunal, not you. Jordan. And the money they require is very cheap. Monthly. I don't think we pay up to 200 monthly. It covers everything. Yeah. I think it's around something. So, those little, little money paid out can save you from your life saving. So, the last one is to come to, you have the duty to respect all members in the church to, uh, duly. You know, in this issue of respect, there are some people in the ministers, they respect those who are rich. Yes, in the church, and they disrespect their counterparts who are not rich. But what happens is that the president of tomorrow may be the Pope of today. You can never know a poor man in your church, the connection he or she has. He may be more connected than the rich one. But if you are not respecting that person, the day that the real big fish that he's connected to will come, and that big fish will see him and bow before him, though he's poor, but he's senior to that person. Then you wonder that, you know. But if you practice respecting people, you will never be put to shame anytime. And your, your members will always respect and honor you completely. Now, duties and obligations of 
associate pastors, those of you who are not the resident pastor, but you are supporting pastors, either evangelists or you know any other one in ministry, you are not the main resident pastor. <coughs> you have the, the duty to cooperate with and support and submit to the instruction of your senior pastor. You must cooperate, you must support, and you must submit to the instructions of your resident or senior pastor in ensuring that the obligations are stipulated above are all achieved. You are in the ministry of health. Remember anything you do to your senior, you will repeat for the rest of your life. Now, all pastors must accept without reservation the statement of faith of their church. Any deviation from this will be consequential to denying the faith, which should lead to excommunication or summary dismissal. Now, in this, I will tell you that you and the uh, same-sex marriage bill, the same-sex marriage bill does not permit anybody to say that homosexual marriage is unlawful in any part of the jurisdiction of such law. Like you are outside, you are in the streets, you, you are in the workplace, you can't say that. But you can say it in church because your faith says so. But for you to say that, in your statement of faith, you must inscribe a clause there. If you go to CFT, website, you can download it. That we believe in marriage as a union of one man and one woman. According to Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Chapter 1, 26 to 27, uh, 28. Chapter 2, verse 18 to the end. And chapter 3. So that you write that then you will now say, we also believe according to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 9, chapter 6, verse 9, that homosexuality is a sin as well as bestiality, as well as murder, as well as all what is written there. Quote and write NIV beside it in parenthesis, or NKJV, because in real King James, it's not so. The statement of King James is subjective, but thank God that the new King James has changed it to what NIV had written about it. Because when you go to court, all this integrity they will check. If you just left it without the translation version, they can tell you that your, your statement is not correct because it has no reference of the version. But this is the version that they bring the end, the King James version, and then they begin to manipulate the words of King James, which is subjective. They will get it now. If you do that in your statement of faith, then you do not come under the uh, you come under the exemption from that clause which stems from Equality Act 2000. That I can send to all of you. It's too big to read, but I can send it to you. 
So, if you therefore refuse to marry a gay or a lesbian, no law can prosecute you. But if you refuse and you are not put it in your statement of faith, then the law can say that you have disobeyed the law of the land. And you have to go to court to prove that you have not disobeyed. See, the problem with this thing is that when they take you to court, you don't have the money to go to court. And in court, whoever has money can easily dictate what happens thereafter. So to avoid unnecessary wasting of money, you put all these things in place. I will together now. Jesus says, give Caesar what is Caesar and God what is God. You don't pray about the law. You prepare yourself against the law. And every loophole of the law, you must use them to the advantage of God and the gospel. I we together now. You know, Nigeria and Cameroon and the rest of them, you may not have that problem today, but I'm telling you that you may not escape it. You know, people have said before in England, it will never happen in England. Sorry. American government and the world... Uh, the United Nations have shown us that they can force any nation to do what they want by giving you sanctions. If they give sanctions to Nigeria and everybody starts to starve, you can't sell your petroleum anywhere. It will cost you 30 days to agree to a homosexual bill. And they can do that. And they intend to do that. They will do that. They will do that. Because I was showing, teaching them yes, on Sunday about the coming of the Lord. There are many things that Satan has put in place now. And Christians ignore them. Those, those are the machineries we use to fight you. One of them is the homosexual bill. If Nigerians will tell me that, no, 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 it can never happen in Nigeria, I will tell you, Nigerians, that Britain is not a member of Islamic countries, but Nigeria is a registered member of Islamic countries organization. Nigeria gives more than $1 billion donates to Islamic organizations. OIC, Organization of Islamic Countries. Nigeria, by law, is an Islamic nation by registration. Every president who is a Christian who have come there, unfortunately, disappointed all of you Christians. They could do nothing. Even including Abbasanjo. We made attempts to change this window. We sent delegates from the Parliament of Britain to stop them. But your president told us we want to kill him. He would rather... Leave it like that. And finish his time and leave. And now, if that is with Nigeria, talk about homosexual people. Which one is worse? Organization of Islamic country and you are an Islamic nation. It only takes one man to become a president of Nigeria and see that I'm implementing what we have already registered and it will change Nigerian name to Islamic nation of Nigeria. Because that's what you are by writing now. That is what Nigeria is. So, I'm saying this to you for us to just recognize that this stuff is not a, a thing that we can just brush aside. I will together now. Things already are happening by the hand of the wicked one that is beyond the control of believers. So, in England, they have said that, no, 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 it can never happen. I've been in this country for 30-something years. When I came into this country, it's a taboo. Homosexuals will hide to walk. They will put earrings on one ear to identify themselves in fear. But today, they are almost sweeping naked in the streets of England. They have their personal clubs all over the whole place. They really have more right than you in offices. If you apply for a job, homosexual apply for a job, they will take homosexual before you because of, they call it human rights. 
So their human right now has negated the right of heterosexual. heterosexual. That's what we are looking into in law, really arguing that now. Because you give somebody right doesn't mean that others should lose their rights. But that is what is happening in real life. So understand this that we must be very, very careful. Those of you who associate pastor, therefore, must know you must cooperate with your ministers. And you ministers must recognize that these things you have to take into mind. A minister must serve with undivided interest and use his prerogative within the boundaries of the scripture. You must be faithful and loyal to the call of heaven. And you must use everything you have to serve. Alright? And you must be in compliance with whatever your statement of faith or doctrinal basis is in your church. Do you know, let me show you about one more thing. That is, I spoke to you about uh, finance and stuff like that. Rules of engagement of ministers. For a minister to be successful, it begins from you. Titus 2, 7 to 8. In everything, set them an example. What you don't want practice in your church, don't do it. Every child in the home, look at the behavior of the father. It's when they are growing up. They want to do everything the father does. A minister must make sure that anything you do, your church can do it. Are we together? So I told you by bridging fiduciary duty. It, you know, something has happened in the church of God over the past years, and I think Doc was talking about it, when ministers committed adultery with their members. When you commit adultery with your member, you have breached your fiduciary duty. You have exploited your member by defiling his wife. It's very, 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 very serious before God. God hates it extremely, extremely, extremely completely. No man who does that will go scot-free. The Bible says so. He must be punished bitterly even when he repents. If you do that in your church, what you're saying, what you don't know is that you can't, the people will catch it. The spirit will come from the head to the congregation and you will see iniquity in your lifetime. There are seven consequences for such. It's written in the book of Proverbs. But we'll look at that today. The Bible says, Whosoever touches her will not go scot-free. Proverbs 6. Now, so therefore, you must know that you must be an example. Anything you do, your people will do. The way you speak, they will speak. What you act, they will act. The way you dress, they will dress. The way you look, they will look. And you must know this. I'm sure mommy will deal with this with your, with your, with your wives. If a wife or a woman pastor dress half naked, they will finish your husband. Because that territory, you cannot compete with them in the world. If you dress half naked, they will dress full naked. Oh yeah, I tell you. They will dress full naked. Because they will know that in this church, everything goes. And you will not be able to caution them for their excess. 
if you, because if you question them for the essay, they would refer to it that, but what you are doing, what is the difference between it and me? Though their own is more lefty. <laughs> Amen. A woman must know this. Let me now help you to understand. No man is bulletproof from seduction. Are we together? For a woman to seduce a man, every man that have eyes can be seduced, but every man that is seduced can make a choice to say no or say yes. But if you, the wife or your own wives, dress modestly, at least it will protect you 50% from women who can be promiscuous to seduce you in church. They put on miniskirt and open their bombs right in front of the service and their breast is out and the minister is preaching but whenever his eyes go over there he saw, he saw abomination that makes sacrilege in the church or make desolate in the church. And then the devil will begin a process of thought while the minister is trying to listen to the Holy Ghost. He's listening also to the devil and inside him he's preaching but think two things are fighting, two, two, two things are warring in his spirit. So we must be very, very careful, especially ministers' wives. Set an example by doing what is good. In your teaching with integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about you. Do we get it now? Pastors, number two, should actively involve in all conventions, even if they are not the speaker. In their church, you must be very active in everything. Even when you appoint people and stuff like that, make sure that you are very much active in supervising. Now, the ministers must appreciate the youth and invest in them. They are your future. The last thing I will talk to you, if there will be any room for question, is this. Budget and forecasting. Budget and forecasting. Now, the word budget is not necessarily talking about finance. Because when we mention budget, most times people look at money. It's not just talking about money. You have cash budgets, of course. But budget is a holistic word used for forecasting in any issue. Let me give you when you enter a new year. A minister must budget the number of souls he targets to be converted and to be added to his church every new year. And you must try to divide that into what your, your church will achieve on a monthly basis. If I have 10 people solid added to my church every month, by the end of the year, I will have 120 solid believers. It's better than me saying that I want 100 people that we cannot achieve. But if I target 10 people solidly, you know, a church of 100 and by the end of the year, you have 120 added. I think you have done good. That is 
more than 100% yield. Now, while we are looking at waiting for the day that God will blow the wind and then 3,000 shall be saved. Before that time, as a minister, you need to imagine in your mind achievable goal for souls where you can say that if you say 10 people in a month and you have 100 people, you give 10 of your members charge to bring one soul. The 10 work together, work in peer, work in individual. At least you achieve that one soul by 10 people in a month. It's not too much task. You know, one of the things that has that has hindered our church growth is because we don't recognize that Jesus spoke a lot about these things. He says, if you want to build a house, you sit down and plan first. And he says, if a man wants to build a house, he does not have the money to complete it. Will people not say, this man began it and he could not complete? So, budget begins from souls. Then, second budget is the area of your cash flow. What is your income? What is your uh, expenditure? You must look at your last year's income, January, February, March, April to December. And then for the new year, you will say that, okay, in January we had, uh, let's say each, each month last year we had 10,000, 10,000, 10,000 pounds. Now, in this new year, we believe God to have 15,000. All right? So, if you believe God to have 15,000, last year, let's say average of your expenditure every month was 5,000. So, you have saved 5,000 5, each month. Now, you will not do a forecast that, okay, January, February, March, April, 15,000, 15,000. 15, and our expenditure, we will make sure that it's now not more than 10,000. So, each month that you have forecasted, whenever you forecast a budget, the next purpose of budgeting is that it will lead you to planning. How can we make this 15,000? All right, if we add, if we, if we, if we get, um, you know, we are 100, 100 people who give 10,000. If we win 100 souls more, maybe of working class, we can make averagely 5,000 from that income. Or how many people were jobless in my church last year? All right, I have about 40 graduates who haven't got a job. I can take their name before God every day. I can ask the other members who can help them to help them. We can look for any program we can do to expose them to, to industry and stuff like that. All those planning will come because you are forecasted. That is the second thing on budget. The, the third thing about budgeting is that haven't you forecasted which will bring a planning? Then all what you have planned, dividing the church into various streams so that it can achieve your budget, you will now have to begin to coordinate all those things. So coordination is a third key in our budgeting. Appointing leaders, sub-leaders, you know, into various areas of operation. And then when you do that, you will now, it will now give back to control. Control is now you will now begin to look at January, we were supposed to spend 10000 and we were supposed to make uh, 15000 But really, what is the actual we made in January? We made 9000 What is the expenditure? We spent 12000 So you know you are in deficit. So the 2000 that you have spent beyond is from your old savings. 
Now, God, how can we remedy this in February? It means that for February, instead of making 15,000, we have to make 15,000 plus 2,000. Where will the 7,000 come from? Then you go to your, your planning, uh, which one is not being done, your coordination, which one is not effective, and then you begin to look. That is what is called variance. If you don't do your church like that, what happens to you is that in January you start running the expenses. In February your expenses increases. March it increases. By the time you get to the end of the year, you are in debt. Because sometimes, when, when I look at my own variance, what I always do, every quarter I hold meetings with my administrators who will go critically into all the analysis. One of them is a child accountant. You know, she deals with showing me on the on the a map what we expected what we got what we spend and what i as i expected to be spent whether it's beyond whether it's below then i have another one that i would now say okay now haven't seen all these things really as we are we have not met up in this quarter with our projection so if in this quarter we are owing let me give you an example last quarter the projection we have in church we discovered that we we are thirty thousand uh, uh, below projection. No, 20,000 below projection. Okay? For the quarter. So, I now investigated why do we have that? Oh, well, we had our anniversary. We hosted many people. We paid for everything and stuff like that. Then, but if we did, we budgeted for it, didn't we? Among it, I discovered somebody who pledged 30,000 and that 30,000 is the reason why we approved those expenditure. But that person had not give us, given us 1,000 out of the pledge of 30,000. I would together now. So that's the reason why we couldn't meet up with our target. So I had to sit the person down, tell me what's going on here now. What is your position? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm going to remedy it. I'm going to pay it off within a month. All right, how, much, how do you pay 30,000? Apostle take five thousand. I took the five thousand, paid it in. The next week he gave him five thousand. Next week give him five thousand. Next week give him five thousand. Now we needed twenty thousand to be to balance up. I have thirty thousand now in my account. Okay. Now when that happened, also I now took a decision that in case the thirty thousand doesn't come in, I want to make up for it in this month, if no increase in our income. So what do I do? All lights off when we are not using the auditorium. Most of our light, we have changed it to uh, this uh, sensor. You come in, it comes on. When you go out, it, co- it goes off by itself. And that reduces our electricity bill. Because in this country, electric bill and gas bill are the killer, apart from your mortgage. Mortgage is constant. But electric and gas, you can control. Telephone bill, you can switch off everybody. So that you can't call out from anywhere. So, those are the controls I now set in place. One of the parishes in New Cross, we do prayer 6 and 7. I cancel all 7 o'clock prayer. All of you come at 6. If you want to pray, 6 is when we pray, 6 to 7. 7 o'clock, some people will stay and be talking and talking. I give them a, you know, a, a grace of 30 minutes. Everybody shoot off the light out. After you have prayed, God answer prayer. What are you waiting for? <laughs> You go to your home and carry the authority home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let me say something to you. By one month I was doing that, the bill in electricity will gain the Lord. The first time I did that, previously our electricity bill was 6000 
When I did that, I literally went to 3,000. I did it again, it went to 2,000. I will maintain 2,000 something up to now. So I've saved the church on electricity bill about 3,000 plus on a monthly basis. I think I'm a good manager. You understand? This is what budget does. But let me say this to you. Control, therefore, you compare your actual with your forecast. All right? And that is what will give you motivation to improvise other ways to get money, other ways, legitimate ways to save money. So if you save money, reducing your expenditure, and you teach your members about giving. So when, when they tell me that, look, Apostle, last uh, week, this week, last month, you know, we earned uh, in our tithes, we earned uh, uh, 20000 but this week we earned 15000 I will go and teach about tithing. And when I teach about tithing the following Sunday, people who miss their tithe, they will pay. Are we together? Sometimes people who have not been tithing, some people forget their tithe for one reason or the other. They will just pay it in arrears whenever I teach. And I said I was going to teach you about how do you raise a church that you will not have to manipulate. You know, whenever it's offering time, Never say a word like, you know, we know that many people, when it's offering time, you drag your face. You will, you will give back to a church that will always drag their face. Understand this, that people are not compelled to give. It is obligation. Not unto you, unto God. So what do you need to do? They fear God, not you. If you reveal the word of God to them, they will fear and they will pay. And they will do it with joy and gladness. In my own church, where we're going to buy the chairs, all those chairs in cathedral, I just came and said that the chairs, how much will they cost? They say 130 pounds. And I told the whole church, chair will cost 130 pounds. Begin to give. Students came and said, I will buy a chair. They were doing evening work. They gave every week till they gave 130. And I said to the church, if student can give a chair, you, who is a, a full, full-timer, I don't know what you were thinking about. And people started giving. And people started giving. We bought the chairs. 3,000 chairs. We were to do our roof. Our roof was 130,000. I came again and said, we've got to get this roof done. It's 130,000 pounds. Some of us, we charged ourselves that we're going to give 1,000 pounds each. And we did. And I said to them, just give as the Lord enables you. Sometimes you are not, you are out of pocket. When Others are giving. We who have, we meet up for your own need. So that when you are in pockets, you will meet up for the need of other people. This is the scripture. You must be very, very careful. You see, every time people are manipulated, uh, God is saying to me, some people should give X amount, or you attach such giving to God. It's not God, it's man. You need to tell them this is what we need. And you need to make sure that they are not under duress. That they are not going to borrow money. I've had some who say that you can borrow money for God. No, you don't borrow money for God because the Bible says give from what you have according to what you have, not according to what you do not have. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. To me, all the time, if I want to take offering anywhere, I'm very happy that people will give. So I would rather say that, well, I thank God because you are obedient. I always tell my pastors in the book of Malachi, don't read the part that people are thieves and they are cursed. If you read it, just say that this is not part of us. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Then they have understood. I know you are givers. You fall to the other category that give, it shall be given unto you. Full measure pressed down, 
you know, bring the whole tide to my storehouse and test me with this. If I will not open the floodgates of heaven, the floodgates are open over you in the name of Jesus. Amen. As you bring your tithe, God will open the floodgates in the name of Jesus. Amen. They are happy and they will give their tithe. We fear unto God and that tithe is accepted before God. We need to buy these. Everybody will start. I tell my members, I will bless you. You will have extra money. Any extra money you have in this season is for God. Look. Sorry there. Let me read this to you. Because sometimes when I speak to you, I need to back it up with evidence. Doc, read this, please. And this is the date. Good evening, Dad. Sunday. Good evening, Dad. I'm sorry to text you late, sir, but I was amazed at what you said this afternoon in your office. I closed one of the deals I was working on just tonight, and I was really amazed, Dad, because I wasn't expecting it all, but I strongly believe it's just by what you said. Dad, I'm lost for words. Thank you so much, sir, and I pray your labor over us would never be in vain. Thank you, Daddy. This young man came to me on Sunday. And I told him that I wanted to help somebody who is not a member of my church because he has just been made a director of a British uh, rail, one of these stuff. Very young man, about 30, 31. And then he said to me, he said that, okay, give me the information that will help the man. I said, come on, tell me what are you doing right now. He said that, you know, I have some businesses that I'm putting together and all stuff like that. That's a deal that I've been doing. I, you know, I don't know about, you know, what's going on, the position of it. I said, look at me, son. It's done. It is done. That deal you're talking about, don't talk about it anymore. It is just done. He said, yes, dad. He left me in the afternoon. By 11, he, at 10 o'clock, he wrote me happened. One of the young ladies, 32, came to me uh, a few weeks ago and was saying that, you know, we're just talking. I said, excuse me, you should have been given six figures. What are you doing with the salary you are earning? Expect one. She left on that Sunday. By Tuesday, HSBC called her and offered her 130000 per annum. All right? Now, if I tell people like that to give their tithe, you think I have to tell them? This guy that the deal just completed, when he collects the money, he tells me how much he got. That's what happened to me and my members. Those who are in business will come and say, that X amount has come in. Because I speak into their finances. I connect them with people that I know should be connected with. When they make their money, I know what they make. I know what they have. So I know they cannot give what they don't have. That is the sort of relationship a shepherd you have with his members. And it comes by this way I'm teaching you. Teach them the word of God about giving so that they understand about giving. Forget about all those Old Testament manipulation going on in the time. Don't do it. If you let people to God and they have divine love for the Father, and you teach them what the Father requires, they will do it with tears of joy. That they have privilege in this commonwealth of giving. And because they do that, the Lord will bless them more. The Lord will open door for them more. 
I were together now. So, and they gave themselves to the Lord and to us. Amen. And when people began to realize that, they opened up to give. I think, though, I like to inject this, Apostle. Pastors have to be a tither, though, themselves. And I find that's a challenging thing in the U.S., where pastors standing up all the time telling people to tithe, and they don't tithe. Well, that spirit on the head goes throughout that whole congregation. Absolutely. Pastors need to tithe. Not only that, pastors need to bless his members. When your members are having wedding, you need to give them money, not flour. Let their husband give them flour. Somebody is bereaved, you need to give them something. When it is time they celebrate you, they will empty their life for you. They will do it. I would mean now. Even when there is no time. In, in my church in New Cross, uh, uh, Doc, we, we have gone into our second town. We'll just break in a minute and then we'll finish. When I go, when at home, I say, oh my God, I need 2,000 pounds. Ah! Okay, no problem. I tell you, this is before the Lord. When I get to the church, somebody will bring me 2,000 pounds. I said, Dad, the Lord told me to give you this money. I was driving my car in my driveway. You haven't been to a house before? You haven't? I won't take you home. Now, when I was driving my car in my driveway, I said to, my, to, the, to the Lord when we came in, with, Mommy was with me. I said, Lord, my neighbor has flour on his driveway. The neighbor over there has flour on his driveway. It's only my driveway that is just dry. I said, and I'm a minister of God. I said, Lord, what? I wish I have this kind of flower on my driveway. So, mommy said, why don't you call the gardener and tell him to go and get you quotation for the flower. And he went and got the quotation for the flower. When they got quotation for the flower, I don't have the money. I think the quotation for the flower was 2,100 pounds. And we got to the church the following Sunday. One of my daughters just came. He says, Daddy, 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 in that business you have prayed for me, God had done it. He said, just as you said. He said, and God told me to give you 2,100 pounds. Are you with me, Dad? 2,100 pounds. <laughs> and I said, Mom, come and hear your daughter. She, did, she said, 2,100 pounds, three times. <laughs> I said, so what's the 100 pounds for? He said, that's what God said. I don't know. <laughs> I just brought the invoice. I said, look at your the invoice. I said, the money you gave me, I asked the Lord, I challenged God that my neighbors have flour on their driveway. I don't know that God has interest in flour on my driveway. I said, any time I drive into my driveway, I bless you. Because I can see the flour. And we gave the money, whole money to the... Uh, um, gardener, and he put the flower there because it is for flower. I ask the Lord, I can't pass it to another thing. Forget it now. The word of God is true and alive, and of course, he that sows reaps. A minister of God must be a giver, and God will cause others to also give unto you. And we must teach our people, don't hesitate to teach your people about giving. You must. Is part of discipleship. But if they, if they can give themselves first, they will give their materials. Well, this is the end of the fourth session. This is the Lord will provide, supply all your needs.
Your need is different from your wants. Your need is the actual amount your life costs you. Okay? So, if you don't know how much your life costs you, how will you be able to know what you ask? So, you must always have a spreadsheet where you can say that every month, my life bill is this, my this bill is this, washing is this, you know, all this um, dry cleaning, all, you know, food and stuff. This is what it is, okay? Plus 20%, this is how much my life will variably cost me. And then you can now say next year that, Lord, I'm earning 100000 this year. I won't want 20000 next year. Because next year inflation will come and also will come. Then God will meet up what you are talking about. So we need to recognize budgeting is very, very essential, both for church and for your personal life. Any question? Yes, please. Can I have someone? This is microphone, please. Apostle, uh, thank you so much for the enlightenment. I have uh, two questions that I put directly into one. The first one is, you've already shed light on it, is the version of the Bible, the NIV. I, yes. have, I received a WhatsApp uh, <laughs> message where some people gave some specific verses yes. that are not found in the NIV. Yes. However, I read the NIV and my understanding has grown in God and yeah. it's a blessing to me. Yeah. But uh, for those who ask questions, yeah. what do we give to them? I want uh, to treat it when the whole church is here okay. in the second service. Okay. But let me talk to you. You can see now, Pastor. Let me give you understanding about this. Paul warned us about controversies of words. I believe with all conviction, I may be wrong on this, but I am convinced that. Because King James Version is not selling anymore, which they have, they have owned up to. They have said it publicly. NIV is the best-selling version. Okay? King James Version is not selling anymore. The people of King James Version marketing strategy decided to just send this away. Paradventure, people will be buying King James. But let me tell you, they will fail. This is the first line of argument. NIV, when I read it too, I studied every verse they spoke about. Now, what I found out in NIV is that when I went to research it in the NIV, NIV wrote on their commentary that these verses that is in King James, which they omitted. So if it is verse 20, you will find verse 19 and verse 21, so that you know when you read the NIV that verse 20 is not there. But they will now put a footnote to say, verse 20 was not in the earlier manuscripts from where NIV was interpreted. NIV went to manuscripts that were earlier than the manuscript that King James used. That is the claim. And NIV said that the, the verse was an addition by scribes. Now, this is the position. You and I cannot prove it whether it's true or false. Because it's a history handed over to us. Second thing is that some of those words are words that have been spoken in earlier verses and repeated and the end there. But this is a fact. Because those verses are missing from NIV, does it make NIV less potent? It, that's not true. I read NIV all my life. 
I don't read King James at all. Than just to look at reference in it. And uh, God has done all the miracles he has done through the word of NIV. All the encounters I have about God through the word of NIV. So if NIV is void of God, why should God manifest through it? Second thing is this. Yoruba Bible was translated by Bishop Ajayi Crowder. The last convocation that was made by global theologians, they said Yoruba Bible is better translated than King James. Because Ajayi Crowder spoke Hebrew and he spoke Greek. And he went to the very early manuscript to translate Yoruba Bible. What about Igbo Bible? What about Swahili Bible? They were not translated from King James. What about Indian Bible? What about all other translations of Bibles? Now, in conclusion, the language spoken by NIV is the language of the current world. The language spoken by King James, if you do go to university, they ask you a question, and you write it in King James English, you will certainly fail. <laughs> Even law, that is a custodian of language, which in those days spoke in Greek, today, all the words of Greek in law is not spoken in modern day English because it's no more relevant in society. And so, if we look at the real argument of what they claim, I will say to you, without any out of doubt, it is a preempt intention to just liquidate a thriving, you know, translation. Alright? This is the reason why, if you look at the New King James Version, New King James Version, in some of the literacy, repeated what NIV translated. Because I read all these scriptures. And if you look at most of New King James Version, they have changed the language from the original King James Version. So the only thing is that the New King James Version is a literary interpretation of the Old King James which contains the same scripts but in a different language. Like I showed you 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. In New King James Version, it calls it homosexual offenders. In NIV, it does not exist from Genesis to Revelation. And the statement of NIV is you know, um, you know, um, men who, who pollute themselves with, uh, with uh, mankind. And the word is subjective. And this is what the homosexual community read. And they said, the Bible can be subject to any interpretation. But when you meet argument of such, you will discover that if you flag the New King James Version to them, or you flag NIV to them, they shut up. Because it verbatim declares it. Now, let me take you further. Show me an interpretation that is perfect. None. Now I'm talking as a theologian. All of us who went to theology school will recognize that. No interpretation is perfect. Okay? Two. Would you say that the report of gospel is contradictory? Because 
in the report of John about the story, when you read the report of Matthew, it's different in most cases. Look at Matthew especially. If you read the reports of the same story in Mark, it will add some things that Luke did not say. Now, you and I know as theologians that those things happen because of the people each writer was addressing. Isn't it? And we recognize from intellectual you know, argument, uh, uh, the principle of history, that when four people observe a sin and they will write what they saw, they will write it in different ways. And this is a justification of the itinerancy of the scripture. It is, it is correlative. So therefore, if someone says to me that, you know, NIV was uh, missed some verses. Yes, I saw those verses. That's why when I read NIV, I read King James as well. And when I read some uh, statement in King James that is clumsy, like people defiling themselves with mankind, I will go and look at NIV. What does that mean? And NIV tells me in English that this is just homosexual and sodomy. I look at New King James, he agrees with NIV. Then when I teach people, I am teaching from a fact understood. I am not misapplying the word because I understand the context of the word. So therefore, I will say to you, for me, for fact, all those translations are good. But for memorizing, it is easier to memorize with King James. It is strange. I think it's because of the way we program our mind. Especially we old folks. <laughs> For the Lord thy God shall say unto thee. I love it. <laughs> it, looks, it looks very holy and righteous and different from normal language. You know? Thus said the Lord, woe is me. It looks... <laughs> It looks like God's making. Hallelujah. When God say, Nami be your God, I day your miss, as I day with uh, Moses. I go do something jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. Then we say, it is not God. But the people who, that is their language, we say, oh boy, this is Papa God speaking. Hallelujah. <laughs> so therefore, I will advise the church to refrain from this war of words. But let us find behind, be, be, be within the veil who God truly is and understand what the language is. Because you cannot apply a language you do not understand. And that is the position. Pastor, you were going to say something? I've answered it. Yes, Doc. In line with this, is it in line with this? Oh yeah, I finished with this. No, let him say this if it's in line with this. Oh, I cannot do that. Ah, we will stop it in five minutes. All right. Do you know what? Um, okay. The question you want to ask is about what? Sign. Okay. Can you tell everybody to come in now? Let's stop. I think. All the questions we're asking now, people can hear it. It's our members. It will help them. Really, I would have done that before we answer this one because I have to answer it again. And, Doctor, we will hear what it's you want to say. Question, it's a different question. Yeah, I just want on the critical illness for insurance. 
Okay. And the uh, life insurance. Yes. Who pays for it? Is that the church? Church. Yeah, it's church because what it's church who insured you for church. Yeah. Yes. What if the church cannot afford it? Then they shouldn't do it until they can afford it, which means that they cannot. Uh, you can't sue a man who has no, nothing in his pocket. You know, in lawsuit, we always go for the one that his pocket is heavy. Yes. So if a poor man slap you right. as a rich man, will you be able to sue him? The guy hasn't got nothing. Because I've, I think it's related to the property. Eh? I, I think it's related to the property. Yeah, it's a, if a church bought a property. Please, everybody should come in. So this yeah, if a church has a property, you must make sure you secure that property by insurance. Yeah, because most of the mortgages actually comes with the uh, liability insurance kind of thing. No, life insurance. Yeah, life if your mortgage comes with life insurance, that covers it. All right. That covers it. Okay. But when, you, when a church grows to the place where you're employing people now, you know, you have got money. To do that, yeah. you have to do liability insurance. Okay. Though in a small church, you can do liability insurance, it will be cheap. Because if your property gets for somebody trip off in your church and stuff like that, yeah. the, it will be less value. Okay. You get it now. So it is very, very good to do it. Um, can we just wait, uh, ask the women, because they will continue tomorrow, the wives of the ministers over there, uh, they will continue tomorrow. So that they will be, they will join us now, please. 